0: Down to business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk.
1: More and more of our lives are commercial transactions just everything that we do migrates online, we are opening ourselves up to more and more risk and the whole area of cyber attack and cyber security is a massive growth industry. We'll all remember because a lot of our families and friends suffered when the HSE of course was hacked in 2021 and I, I noticed a few days ago the NHS in Britain has also been a victim of a cyber attack so this is ongoing activity that never seems to abate and I have some guests today that are going to tell me about whether we're making progress, is it an industry you should come into? is it an industry luckily like to grow even further over the next few years so I've two gentlemen in studio and one on the phone so let me introduce her first and that's Raluca Sessionu and she is the Chief Executive Officer at Smart Tech 247 here in studio to my right is Kevin O'Loughlin who is the CEO of Nostra who are a key company in this area and then Dr Anthony Keane who's Head of the School of Informatics and Cybersecurity at the Technology Institute at Dublin, TUD as it's known these days you're all very welcome along Uh, Let me go to you first Anthony. We know this activity is growing. Irish people became very familiar with it due to the HSE hack. Maybe there was something positive to come out of that because awareness and visibility of the problem rose during that particular episode. Are we getting anywhere? Are, there's Obviously, this is a battle between the hackers and the protectors or the defenders. Who's winning that battle at the moment?
0: Uh, uh, thank you, uh, Emmett, for inviting me here today. Um, yeah, it's ongoing. This has been going on for the last 20 years. Um, the minute we connected everything to the internet, we opened that doorway for people to start uh, trying to break into your uh, applications, uh, exploit vulnerabilities and the... Uh, technology that um, sits behind the programs that are running on your systems. So, you know, this, as we improve our development in the applications, the hackers are also improving how they exploit these developments. And then every time we introduce new technology, which is always ongoing, that comes with its own inherent flaws. So, cybersecurity is very much built on uh, knowing where the vulnerabilities are and patching them and building in some kind of defence system. But unfortunately, you know, the hidden in among it are unknown vulnerabilities. We call these zero day zero attacks. And um, the these are the ones that tend to be the most disruptive. Um, the other side of it is sitting behind the technology is the humans. <laughs> and the humans have also become a target for exploitation. So one of the biggest attacks are always through your emails. Sure. So people Very see,
1: innocent, you yeah. know, just a link and and you click on it etc and let me come back to you in a second Anthony because you've got to set the stage very well but let's talk a little bit more about the practicalities of companies protecting themselves Kevin O'Loughlin is the CEO of Nostra Kevin you're welcome along to Down to Business I mean a lot of companies the larger companies you know the big American multinationals they're going to have banks of people they're going to have systems is the vulnerability that Anthony's talking about is it in the smaller companies or, or where is that vulnerability that he's mentioning
2: well I, well I would say it's probably in the uh, it is the smaller companies but let's define what that means so the the micro uh, organizations you know with with 20 computers or less uh, small offices um are typically very exposed um but but can often recover quite quickly even from very significant attacks I think I think the kind of the real risk area is organizations where they've got you know 20 30 40 50 million euros in turnover They've got, you know, uh, 100, 200, 300 computers. They've got locations that are potentially uh, running 24 seven or or businesses that if they're down for a day will actually lose a day's revenue. They're the ones that are probably most at risk because it's the biggest impact when they get
1: hit. Sure. And when you ask companies, you know, are we vulnerable? Have we had any issues recently? Everyone tends to go, yeah, the IT manager, he or she is kind of handling all that. That's their area. Is, is it really just for the IT manager to handle it or should there be a much more organisational-wide approach to this? Well, what I would say is that
2: you have to have oversight. And uh, what we have found is the most serious attacks that we've dealt with, uh, the the internal reporting that was done on the IT system prior to an attack often gave them a gold star. And the challenge that you have is if you are asking the person who put in the technology to rate its security, Are they really going to hand you back a report telling you what we've put in is massively exposed? It's not secure. We're massively vulnerable because then the expectation they have is, well, I'm going to lose my job. I haven't been doing my job properly. And and you can't ask somebody to assess themselves, firstly. And secondly, when you get back a report, you can't go and blame the IT department. It takes it takes a lot of people, a lot of brain to actually go in and properly secure an organisation.
1: Sure. And in terms of security, is it a little bit like an arms race? Like, in other words, if you have the money, you can buy their new kind of a state-of-the-art software and you can block off potential attacks or is that actually about people being more clever streetwise and sort of just personally knowing where threats may come from maybe based on experience or doing courses like with Anthony or whatever or is it no you just got to put the money down and get the software in which is the thing that makes the pivotal difference in the end so I, I would say right that the serious serious attacks that happen it's the
2: basics that are wrong it's not even the stuff that costs money it's patching your your pcs patching your servers making sure you're on Viruses up to date, making sure you've really good backups. You know, all, all of the very basics that often cost nothing are the bits that will actually keep you secure. And, and it's the very expensive things that can kind of deal with the last 5%, but 95% sure. of the attacks that we've seen really serious. OK, the well, they're,
1: they're, they're the tactics for the defenders. Let's talk a little bit about the attackers and what they're at and what their motivation might be. Reluca from Smart Tech 247. Raluca, first of all, welcome to the programme.
3: Hi there. Thank you very much for having me.
1: That's great. Listen, what is the motivation of the people who are hacking? Obviously, they've got different motivations and presumably it's financial, though we do hear a little bit about uh, governments of certain types, um, some of them to the Far East, who may uh, be behind some of this stuff as well. But can you just give us a, a kind of a portrait or a pen picture of what, who and what are the hackers?
3: Yes of course um i i believe um the common misconception is that many for, that many people have is that these cyber criminals are young people who just want to make some money and they're sitting in front of their computer but the reality is that the criminal underground from a cyber perspective is actually comprised of very well structured organizations so their motivations primarily are financial ones so Let's take a ransomware operation as an example. Um, They would have four or five separate departments in, in their organization. They would have access management. So these are people who are tasked with only stealing credentials. They would have malware operations. They would have data handlers. They even have customer service. They have negotiators so it's uh, hang
1: on it's, a second you know, hackers of customer service <laughs> they do they do
3: um uh, we had to deal with um with a lot of ransomware attacks over the last few years and some of the organizations that have called us when they suffered the ransomware attack they wanted us to negotiate with the hackers and, um, primarily we, we never say that you should pay for, uh, you should pay the ransom, but some organizations, uh, end up having to pay. So they want us to negotiate. And when we negotiate with the hackers, They have customer service, they have a number, they have uh, a marketing department as well. So it's a lucrative business for them. And there is a a huge financial motivation at every single stage of, um, of a ransomware attack, for example.
1: OK, listen, uh, Raluca, stay there for a second. I want to come back to Anthony because this is an industry and this is our industry review. So it's crucial to point that out. You are a board member of Cyber Ireland and I understand that body now lobbies government, looks at different policies. So you're you're formalising what might have been a little bit of a Wild West picture five or ten years ago. Just tell us about this as an industry cluster. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um Cyber Ireland um, is really uh, the first attempt we've had here in Ireland to have a national uh, cluster of organization that brings together academia, industry and government all together talking reviewing, looking we, at the do sector.
1: Do we know how many people work at the sector? Yeah, do we know we, how many companies get those basics?
0: Yeah, sorry. Last year we did a, a report uh, looking at the sector. There's a, it's up on the website of Cyber Ireland uh, to, for anyone to download. So there's about 500 firms uh, in Ireland that are directly involved in developing products and services in uh, security. And um, they employ about 7,000 people and directly. you count
1: it among that would be big multinational companies would be in that number um, big
0: but there's, there's, a small, whatever, yeah. there's a lot of Irish grown companies in there okay and um and and they're kind of the backbone of of this industry um and this is a huge growth area we have and it, it represents about two billion in revenue so it's it's a big area you know when, when you consider the worldwide um, losses due to cyber security uh, issues is in the trillions. I think it's estimated to be about five point five trillion euros a year. You know, so this is a huge growth area to 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 uh, challenge that. So our Cyber Ireland uh, is you know lobbies the government. Uh, is talking directly with the government on what needs to be done, and the government has responded. The government has created um, the Cyber Skills Program, which is uh, funded by the H.E.A and it's uh, getting universities together. There's ourselves, uh, TU Dublin, MTU and UL, University of Limerick, and we work together to harness all our resources in developing programs for our industry. That's brilliant, yeah, because it
1: it was just one sort of an arm of the general technology sector, so it's good to see though structures are being put in place. Let's go back for a little second um, to Kevin in terms of the demand for all these services. The HSE hack of 2021 I mean, as I mentioned in my intro, it was huge news coverage. A lot of people who don't follow these things very closely suddenly were aware of it. It was a particularly egregious one. It went on for many weeks, I remember, before they got their systems cleaned. There's two things that occurred to me with that. Was that a typical type of attack that you get? And do you think there is been that positive awareness raising piece that companies kind of went, oh, hang on a second. The HSE were done. We could be as vulnerable. So was there in that sense a positive outcome?
2: Yeah, so so first of all, uh, it was a typical attack, obviously, in a very large organization. So the majority of the attacks that you'll see in Ireland are at mid-level and, and smaller companies. But But it is identical. It's not unusual for a company to have no access to their systems for 10 to 15 days. And if you don't have really good backups and really good systems in place, Often you end up starting back with no data, which is extremely difficult. A lot of companies don't survive that. And secondly, around around awareness. Yes, at the time, there was a huge boost in awareness. Everyone was talking about it and companies started improving their footprint. But the problem with, with cyber is it, you have to keep looking. You have to keep making sure you have to keep doing your checks. So if somebody checked their systems at the end of 2021, right, and has done nothing since then, their systems are going to be out of date now. Now, that doesn't mean they've spent loads of money, but they need to be making sure that they're constantly looking and making sure that they're secure and no new vulnerabilities have have come in.
1: Now, when you talk about vulnerabilities and attacks, they're all very dramatic words. I mean, is there any way to give us a sense for our listeners of what a typical... Attack would be um, on a mid-sized company, just the kind of the one you'd hear the most often. Just what what would be involved? Okay, so let me let me talk you through the way it, it kind of works, right? So so let's just take a... will
2: give you a real life example without mentioning a company name. Please so, don't. <laughs> so, so an email an email comes into an organization to somebody on reception on front desk, and it and it's from the uh, they think it's from the chief executive asking them to do a simple task. They reply back. They. Uh, kind of have an email backwards and forwards. In the middle of it, there's a link saying, "All right, I've got a file. Please uh, upload it to our SharePoint." Uh, receptionist clicks on the link, opens it, looks like and uh, and log into her email. She types in her username and password, and she lands in her email and she's wondering, "I'm not. This doesn't look like where it was meant to be." But she doesn't think it's a cyber attack. A week later, um, they start getting in a whole series of um of unusual invoices. So they're getting invoices into this receptionist, which he's forwarding on to the accounts department and loads of bank account detail changes. So what's happened is over the course of the week, somebody has analyzed their mailbox, looked at all of the different emails that have come in and then said, hang on, I'm cc'd in an email of an order for twenty five thousand from, let's say, my company, Nostra. So they will generate a fake invoice, use the P.O. number, use all the information and say, here's an invoice, please pay it into this bank account. Um, the second thing that happened in that particular attack was they they sent this individual a link again, a second link over the course of a couple of weeks. The second link she clicked on and it downloaded uh, uh, some ransomware to her own PC. Her PC hadn't been patched in over a year and a half and, and ransomware took hold of her PC. It happened on a Friday at about four o'clock. The PC ran for the whole weekend. They came in on Monday. All 200 PCs in the entire organisation were locked out all their servers Whoa, are gone yeah, and all okay, the backups are gone
1: that's, that's dramatic isn't it that, that is dramatic that yeah.
2: is so the recovery time so it all starts from
1: what looks like a perfectly legitimate email would you say yeah. that emails yeah. that are essentially infected I suppose ultimately is that 60-70% of where all, the origins of the attacks would start or it, is it, it less pro- or
2: more it's probably higher it's probably okay. in the 90% of, of you know again normal attacks about 90% are coming in right and and the, the interesting thing, you know, somebody starts a new job. First thing to do, they post it on LinkedIn. Hey, I've got a new job. You can almost be sure that that person will get an email, pretending to be from a director of that organization. Hi, uh, can you sort an issue for me? I'm in a meeting, uh, and and a and a conversation starts. The person is nervous; they're not aware of the protocol. I've been contacted by the boss, uh, and that's really really common.
1: Now, Raluca, I I don't know, you may or may not agree with Kevin's figure, but they're interesting. That's what I think. About 90% of all of these attacks originate with an email form of communication. That makes it very difficult to combat, doesn't it?
3: It does. Um, um, Social engineering is um, the the most common way of attacking an an organisation. And it does start with the human. And... Unfortunately, it's getting more and more sophisticated. And uh, although we hear every day you have to have proper access controls in place and multi-factor authentication, that simply isn't enough anymore. They are very good uh, protection methods. But um, if somebody really has a motivation, they will do anything to get in. Take the Uber example, the Uber attack that happened last year. They had very good access controls in place. They had multi-factor authentication, and they still were able to get in. So it is growing a lot um uh, fishing is is a huge problem and uh, unfortunately these days anybody can can purchase a a fishing kit on the dark web and become a cyber criminal it's become a very lucrative um, business for So are you are, are are you
1: saying if if they're determined enough and they have enough time in their hands because these things take time presumably they will get through no matter what technology uh, defense you have Exactly there, Kevin, I mean, the, the, is that the the lesson here is that if they really like anyone, if somebody wants to break into your house, they'll, they'll be able to do it. Well, well, there's two ways of looking at it, right? So, so, you know, getting access to
2: a network uh, is probably something that, that we could define as being impossible to 100% protect against. But there are protections you can put in place to stop a spread being widespread. So if, if you have an attack that it's limited to one section of your organisation, that it doesn't spread to the whole organisation. But but what we say to people is we we got to make sure that we protect you from being attacked in the first place, that we have a recovery plan in place, that if you are attacked, we can at least get you back without paying ransom. And the
1: attackers, they they might want your data, right? So it might not be your direct financial assets, although all data, I suppose, has a value ultimately. And then there are the other people who want you to pay. They lock the computer and they say hand over X or you won't be unlocked. Should you ever pay them? Is that sometimes the, the lesser road traveled? Or I mean, what what's your no. advice there? Look, uh, you know, in a perfect
2: world, you would never pay. But if you're sitting there with 200 people and you have a decision to make, do I lose my entire data and in reality close my company, put 200 people out of a job or do I pay? Then you have to do it. What I say is don't be in that position. If you have a backup of all of your data, you're off off site away from your organization, you will never be in a scenario that you have to pay a ransom and that's the key bit. And Bitcoin just, I think it's important to mention Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the enabler to allow people to have these transactions and get paid anonymously. And, I have yet to see a functional use of Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, silent. well listen,
1: you're Cyberpunk. opening the whole Bitcoin. Uh, you, people who mm. know me on this particular station know I've got strong views on Bitcoin. So mm. let's not go there but I, I do have the, the basic point you're making. Mm. Let me finish up with you, Anthony because I find all this extremely alarming personally because I've guaranteed, well I better not say anymore because I might may open up my own vulnerability but some people listening will say this is very exciting. This is actually the industry I want to be in. I'd like to be either combating or this hacking world is kind of interesting because it's so global. Somebody who wants to come into this industry he wants to be a, a graduate people you teach what are the skills you're looking for what are the personality types you think will do well in cyber security
0: well you start at the beginning talking about how cyber security is risk and it, it's really managing that risk for companies so the there's different aspects to that there is the business side of risk and there's the technology side so we in the university we cater very strongly for the, uh, tech, the the technologists, if you want, your traditional IT support people and building the cybersecurity in as a specialism into those programs. So so we do have, you can be a Leaving Cert student and come in and do a three or four year degree and you'll come out as a, an expert in cybersecurity and IT. For people employed in companies that want to retrain or upskill, we provide part-time programs for them. They can do them. uh, We we can work with the company where we'll have a block release program. Do it in person. We can do it online. We have programs that run in the evening, so people can do it after work. And these there's there's lots of different ways in there. It's not
1: just through the conventional Uh, pathways.
0: Yeah, and with cyber skills, I just add in the cyber skills uh, initiative we have is to look at. Uh, programmes we can deliver for industry that universities okay. traditionally can't cover
1: I'm going to have to leave yeah. you there because we're <laughs> under time pressure but you got the last bit in so well done <laughs> on you As I think the overall message is emails are annoying but they're also potentially dangerous thank you very much to my panel Raluca Sessidou who is the Chief Executive Officer of Smart Tech 247 Kevin O'Loughlin who is the CEO of Nostra and also we have Anthony Kade, of course who is head of the School of Informatics at TUD